So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you have called us higher. You have called us deeper. And we pray that you would help us to walk with you wherever you go. We ask now for your spirit. We ask that you would teach us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2011, Kirk Cameron, some of you may know him as Mike Seaver from the sitcom Growing Pains from the 80s and 90s, he wrote a book entitled, Am I Really a Christian? He's now an uh, evangelical Christian activist and he works in Christian film um, and among a number of other things. And in this book, he had a somewhat off-putting book outline. It was kind of telling people what they are and what they're not, which I'm sure for many people can be very off-putting. But the table of contents highlights nine reasons why people who say they are Christians are not actually Christians. And although a number of his points had a lot of room for for much more discussion and much more context, I do understand why someone might write a book like that. When individuals like Vladimir Putin quote the words of scripture to justify their unjust and murderous agendas, it reminds a number of believers that All who are in Israel are not of Israel. Or, all who claim to be Christians are not exactly Christian. But outside of religious circles across the globe, there are people actually looking for a genuine answer. If someone were to ask you, without any prior background knowledge or context to Christianity, if someone were to ask you, what is a Christian, what would you say? How would you define it? And so as we come to the second to last message in our series entitled, Top Questions You Asked Google, Top Religious Questions, the question this morning, today, is what is a Christian? What is a Christian? The word Christian has acquired a lot of baggage over the years, over the decades, over the centuries. It's been associated with the good and the bad, and the very bad, and the atrocious, even. At times, it's been associated with martyrdom, which is good and bad, right? At other times, with genocide, with oppression, 
with hypocrisy, with slavery, with homophobia. When people think of a Christian, perhaps what may come to mind is a straight-laced perfectionist or an individual who believes in a set of ideas but doesn't necessarily practice them. Someone who believes in the necessity of labels even though they're meaningless. Or a goody two-shoes never spotted or tainted by the world. Someone who never experiences anything in life that would perhaps callous the hands or the feet. Or perhaps someone who's judgmental, a holier-than-thou, self-righteous person. Or even maybe the morality police, ready to call out the scum of the world and put them to an open shame. Believers in God and not believers in science. The list goes on. This is perhaps what some people may think of when they hear the word Christian. Perhaps, maybe it's more positive. Maybe you think of Mother Teresa or activists fighting for immigration rights and setting right other injustices of the world. Maybe you think of organizations like the Salvation Army or a, a, a person in your, in your family, perhaps your very devout praying grandmother or grandfather or parents. But the point is, is that there are so many associations with the word Christian that its initial meaning has become buried and forgotten over time. The root of the word Christian is Christ. But often our first thought is not of Christ when we hear the word Christian. The book of Acts begins with the disciples receiving their mission from Jesus to go into first Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then all the world with the message of the crucified and risen Savior, with the message that the Messiah that they'd been waiting for since Genesis 3 has finally arrived, went to the cross, and then had now ascended at that time into heaven. They were to take that message to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, and then Samaria and the rest of the world. They were, uh, uh, with this commissioning of Jesus, they were aided with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were aided with divine authority to share this message. And this was the progression of the book of Acts. And so, when we get to, to the middle of the book of Acts, around Acts chapter 11, excuse me, 7 or so, the stoning of Stephen, we find that the persecution of the disciples scatters them abroad, all of the followers of Jesus. And so they pick up, they go here, they go there throughout Asia Minor, and this was one of the main pushes to spread the faith at that time. And so from our text of emphasis this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, if you want to follow along with me. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It says this, 
Verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. The scriptures actually tell us where the name Christian came from. The name was coined in Antioch, which uh, in modern day is now southern Turkey, it says, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Question, is the term disciple synonymous with Christian? Is the term disciple synonymous with Christian? Well, it used to be. It used to be that when you said disciple, you, were, you assumed that someone was Christian. Or when you said Christian, you assumed that they were a disciple of Jesus, at least, in this case. Before being given the name Christian, though, in this uh, chapter here, believers had been called members of the way. Okay? And that's also in the book of, book of Acts. The way. I actually like, I think that's pretty cool, right? The way, sounds like a band. Um, <laughs> members of the way they were called. The way was known as a sect of Judaism and was spreading faster than what many people could comprehend at the time. And the members of the way, the believers, including the apostles, were known for their countercultural behavior when it came to just about every aspect of their lives. Beginning with the God they served and how they served him instead of, uh, uh, in, in, uh, instead of a number of the idols and other gods of that time. And also the way they related to one another. They cultivated these communities that were based on equality, love, and deep friendship. Acts 4.32 says this about these Christian communities. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was their own, but they had everything in common. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. We help each other so that we all get to the finish line. They had everything in common. They were unified. They were in harmony. And it was this type of community that the early Christians strived to create. 
Everyone had a place within the community, and their mission was to tell others about Jesus, the God who had come down from heaven to save them, and invite them into this community. During that time period, many of the disciples, uh, uh, there were many disciples of various philosophers and thinkers of the time, especially in Antioch. And so coining the name Christian helped others to identify what philosopher or what teacher or what leader um, certain disciples were following. So for example, at that time, there was a group called the uh, Epicureans, and they followed a philosopher named Epicurus. And so they coined the, their, his disciples Epicureans. With Christians, same idea. They coined the name Christians because they were people who followed Christ. You could identify the leader in the name of the follower. And so the name Christian came about. From this particular passage that we just read, there is one defining characteristic of the followers of Christ. And that characteristic is this. There are many more, but here in this passage, the characteristic is their proclamation of Jesus. In this passage alone, the idea repeats. Let me show you. Look at verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, and here it is, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. All right, they started with the Jews and then eventually branched out. But it says, speaking the word. Then verse 20, if you look at verse 20, it says, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. All right, and then if you jump down to verse 23, it says, exhorted them to remain faithful in the Lord Jesus. If you keep going, and finally, uh, verse 26, it says that for a whole year, they were teaching, Paul was teaching a great many people, and let's see, teaching, the word teaching, right? There is this constant proclamation, this constant explaining and teaching of Jesus Christ and what has happened. So here's a first point to pocket. A Christian cannot keep the good news to themselves. A Christian cannot keep the good news to themselves. Now, however, this should not solely be interpreted to mean that everyone has to make a declaration on a housetop or run from door to door in New York City to tell people about Jesus, okay? There's a place for that. I'm not saying don't do it, but, right? Use some discernment. What this also means is that the gospel has such an internal effect on the believer that it manifests itself outwardly in the life. It is this life that then becomes the attractive element to others who are searching for God. So even if I don't 
proclaim it from a mountaintop. I'm walking the walk. I am being. That in itself is a witness and a proclamation. I love the choir today. This is great. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Others who are searching for God will be attracted to that outward manifestation of what is happening inside the Christian. Of course, like I said, context and situations vary. You may need to go and speak, be ready to speak, in season, out of season. But day to day, live, be, let God be that outward manifestation. But being a Christian is not simply an act of proclamation, like we said, not just verbal. It is a way of life. It is a way of life. Jesus made a number of statements about what it means to be his disciple. I've only highlighted three. I'm going to highlight three uh, in this message, but of course, throughout scripture, there are plenty more things that Jesus says. But the first one is this. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He said, how many people will know? All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You should be able to tell who's a Christian by the way they treat people, by the way they treat each other. Now, God help us because we're not perfect, right? But you should be able to tell who knows God by how they engage with other people. The genuineness by which they do it. The love from a follower of Christ is supposed to go deeper than superficial courtesy. And in this time, friendship was a heavily weighted concept. They, they, they try to break down what it means. What does friendship mean? And if you remember, Jesus called his own disciples friends. You are my friends. And so along with, a, with a, a number of other groups, well, a few other groups at this time, some other philosophers and philosophies, um, some other schools of thought, the standard of friendship was as a, uh, as a social community, in a social community, was often deeper than what we know and experience today. I have a quote here from the book Backgrounds of the New Testament. It says this It says, Friendship was the ideal for social relationships. The ideal called for considering all things as common property and sharing one mind or one soul. Friends held mutual love and kindly affection for each other. Such a relationship allowed for mutual exhortation and frankness of speech. Signs of true friendship were a willingness to share the other's troubles 
and to sacrifice self for the other's benefit. Such ethical ideals were readily adapted to mutual relations in the Christian communities. These were the communities that were being established or supposed to be being established throughout Asia Minor and Asia Minor and then throughout the world with the way, right? There's another statement by Jesus in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. A Christian is someone who is willing to make life-changing sacrifices to follow Jesus, even to death. That sounds like a big ask. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. It's the story of the rich young ruler. It says this, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not, shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Life-changing sacrifices require really compelling reasons. And for the rich young ruler, selling his, his possessions to the poor and following Jesus wasn't a good enough reason. But what is a good enough reason? I, I can only think of one thing. We sing it in songs. I'll take a bullet for you. I'll dive in front of a train. I'll do this. I'll do anything for love. <laughs> anything. Love. What's compelling enough to make a life-changing decision? Love. Love. You know, people ask more or less of us depending on the depth or the weight of the relationship. For example, if a stranger came up to me on the street and asked me for a large sum of money, say $100,000, which I don't have, but I wish that I did, but pray for me. If they ask me, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. No, I don't know you. Wow, that's quite the ask. 
But if someone you do know asks you, say your mom or your dad or someone you have a very close relationship with and you had that money and they asked you, then some of you might still reconsider, but most of, most of us, <laughs> I would like to believe, would of course say, yeah, whatever you need. Whatever you need. What holds up that ask is because you know that whatever they're asking, whatever they're asking, I just did something here, and I always do that. Nope, help, 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 help. Just, can you just go, go there and stop it from moving? Uh, push the, my notes. Yeah, there we go, okay. And just make it bigger, just full screen. At the top, the, the corner, yeah. The, just make it bigger. Sorry, all right, we're, we're moving here, we're moving. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> clap for Aaron, clap for Aaron. <laughs> I was saying that uh, you got 100,000. Thanks, sis. Your mom or your dad asks you for 100,000, you're ready to give the 100,000 because you have a relationship with them, right? There's a depth there. And what holds up that ask? is you know that whatever they're asking for, most likely, they would give it right back to you if you needed it. So when Jesus asks you to take up your cross, would he not do the same? He took up his cross. He carried the cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and then he was crucified on it, on it, on our behalf. And then he says, whoever would be my disciple, carry your cross. Do the same. If we're squirming in our seats right now, or, you know, that you think that Jesus is asking, you know, for something that's too big, it's too big an ask, then he's probably not asking you. He's probably not asking you. He asked Abraham to take his son up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him, but he didn't ask everybody that. The depth and the weight of your relationship means something. So God will ask more if you know him more. He'll only ask what you can give. So Jesus is not asking just the professed Christian to take up their cross and follow. He's not asking you. He know you won't do it. The relationship, the depth of the relationship. 
Some people have left their families. Some people have left their careers. Some have picked up new careers. Some have sold houses. Some have bought houses, sold lands, bought lands, done this, done that. A Christian is someone who is willing to make life sacrifices to follow Jesus. And then Jesus says, in John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, he says this, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The ones that he knows, No, those are his. You're not going anywhere. A Christian is someone who is familiar with the voice of God. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You know, there's this commercial by Dove, and I love it because it's so cute. They got a bunch of mothers and their children and they had them do this experiment where they blindfold the children and the children have to go up and, and kind of, and blindfolded, hug and, and touch and kind of try to feel out who is their parent. And so the experiment begins and they line all the mothers up and they start with the, with the first kid, blindfold him and he's, Goes to the first mom and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not her. (laughs) The kids are about three to five, ages three to five. And he goes to the next person and he touches her hair and, you know, smells a little bit. That's not her. Goes to the next one on down the line until he feels an embrace that's familiar. So, oh, I know this one. And then he touches the hair just to check and make sure that's my mom. And he lifts off the blindfold. Correct. Same thing, the kids go through the next one, the next one, oh, no, 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 till they get to the one that's familiar to them. So even when they can't see what's in front of them, they know enough to identify what is familiar. A Christian is someone who spends time with Christ enough time till he becomes familiar. Enough time so that they're able to discern that which would be in harmony with him or in disharmony with him. And they can tell the difference. I've been enjoying um, a few memes on social media. My latest favorite, I think they're trending, are the ones where spouses impersonate their spouse. And they try to do the best impression of, of the other. And you know why it's hilarious? Because they're spot on. <laughs> and they're so good. You can look that up. I'm, I'm sure uh, you know, other people enjoy being lost on Instagram. Uh, but what's great about it, what's funny about it is, or what we brag about is the fact that 
we actually love telling people that we know them. We love being able to say, no, I, I, know, I knew that. I knew that about you. Like my sister, if I go pick up some food from a fast food joint or, or whatever, I better not come home without ordering extra, extra, extra onions on whatever she's ordered, okay? She loves onions. I know that. She doesn't have to tell me I know that. We love, we love to let people know that we know them. But today, Christians who are supposed to be like Christ, Christians who are supposed to know him, they're not endearing, they're not familiar. It's appalling, actually. They're so far away, they're so unfamiliar that ideas and philosophies that they think would be associated with Jesus are not, they're completely off. Completely off. It's not endearing and it's not funny. We are so far from the word Christian. Christian nationalism is masquerading around as the way of Jesus. The way of Christ is not nation first, it's people first. A Christian is someone who hears the voice of God and moves accordingly. And like sheep, he leads them beside still waters and feeds them in green pastures. So for some, the question is, what is a Christian? They may not know and they wanna know. But I think for us this morning, the real question is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? The question is a call for the need for self-reflection and evaluation. You don't have to let other people do it. You can do it yourself. Paul had that moment. A little time to self-reflect. He was headed down Damascus Road, Pharisee of Pharisees planning on getting there and arresting men and women of the way, throwing them in prison, locking away, throwing out the key, until he was stopped in his tracks, stopped by a bright light from heaven, stopped by the voice of God. Saul, Saul was his name. Why do you persecute me? He encounters Christ there on Damascus Road, and after that encounter, Paul is blind. He's blind for a couple days. And then a fellow disciple, Ananias, comes. God sends Ananias to him and says, Brother Saul, receive your sight. Receive your sight. Now, the power of the gospel, the power of an encounter with Jesus will do this. It will uncover their eyes that they might see. When Ananias said, Paul, receive your sight, the Bible says that like scales, scales had fallen off of his eyes and he could see. Not only could he see, 
His whole life changed after that moment. Now he could really see. Now he could really see. See what exactly? The true state of himself. He was blind, but now he could see. But Paul's story is our story. We may be going in one direction, but you have an encounter with God, and God removes the scales from your eyes because you were blind, but now you should be able to see. To see yourself as you really are, to see the world the way God sees it. Paul. Paul, Saul, who became Paul, changed his name. He stopped being a religious policeman. He started being a witness for Jesus. He became a man on a mission, a man who had seen something. He became a Christian. He became part of the way. St. Ignatius, a church, early church father, said this, I wish not merely to be called a Christian, but also to be a Christian. Because of professed Christians, Christianity has become a religion where one can preach a powerful message, yet live a weak life. So what do we do now? What's the high note here? You want to be a Christian? Start by getting to know Christ. That's the first step. That is the root of the name in itself. Why do you, we, we claim labels that we have nothing to do with. Start by getting to know Christ. What he does, what he says, how he, how he moves, how he thinks how he sees the world, start, by, start there. Start there, because Christianity is, it's, it's, not, it's not a uniform. It's not something that you put on and take off. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. And in order to be a genuine Christian, we need the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God to be in us, so that what is happening inside, the change, the transformation, can be reflected outside, and people can know that we have been with Jesus. Start, start by getting to know Christ. Is that your desire? Is that your prayer? Then may God make it our experience. Amen.